0: This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.
1: My name is Noah Levy, and I'm a content creator, executive producer. And what I love about content is I love the art of storytelling.
2: There's something to be said about hustle, street smarts, and reinventing yourself. Noah Levy, executive producer and development content creator, has actually made a career from all three. Hustle and street smarts gave him a leg up over merely being book smart, and he reinvented himself in the world of content into virtually any type of role, from on-camera TV personality to producer to consulting with media execs and personalities on how to become thought leaders. Coming up... Noah shares his wisdom on the art of the pitch, why you should follow your interests instead of trends, and the importance of diversifying your portfolio of opportunities.
0: From New York City, you're listening to Content is Your Business Conversations with industry leaders and influencers, covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling.
1: So Noah, welcome to the program. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, we're excited
2: to pick your brain and especially see your snack.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Snack <laughs> I haven't times usually heard the most that in a important. while. Yum. <laughs> uh,
2: I also want to welcome our other hosts, uh, Natasha Charlton Brown, COO of Clippin.
3: Hello, great to be Hi. here and lovely to meet you.
2: I like your glasses. I know they can't Thanks see so them much. right now, but. <laughs> I like those. Very fashion forward here yeah. on the show. No, it's all about fashion on this show. Yeah. Uh, and not to be outdone uh, on fashion. <laughs> you can't see her, but she looks fantastic. Amber Mundinger, the CEO of Artisan Entertainment. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's a very fashion like episode. I feel like I'm I'm in last place, but I'm gonna try no, to catch up throughout. No. No. You're, no, like like the the
4: You're like the chic, modern, yeah. You know, the cool guy.
2: There's so much to love about this show. Let's start...
4: All the compliments.
2: All, all, the, all the compliments, joy, and, and wonderful snacks today. Let's start out, Noah, right yes. off the bat. Tell us right now, is this a good time to be in content, bad time to be in content, scary time to be in content, or exciting time?
1: Um... I think it's an exciting time to be in content. I think... It's, it's a time that's overly saturated with content that's both good, bad, and boring. So it's really up to working with people that are great storytellers and uh, know how to cut away th- at all the fat and the excess. So I think that we've always been in a time in our industry of content. I just think that now there's more of an emphasis of it being appreciated and needed.
3: Does that mean it's a period of transition necessarily? Or is it it's just so it evolves so incrementally that it's just another, well, another switch point? Well, I think
1: the transitions probably already happened about five years ago. I think that now we're in the time where it's being we have too much of it. So mm-hmm. it's about cutting away at the excess. Like you look at at where Netflix is currently and they have so much product where it's too distracting to even figure out what show to watch. So there's so much stuff out there. We, we, as content creators, have to know where to pitch and what to pitch and what to create. And then as audience members, too, we're in a position where we really need to figure out um, what we want to watch. I think the result of there being so much stuff and our reliance on smartphones um, is that we become a very ADD society. So we don't really watch things anymore. We, we as a culture, scroll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's about knowing what people will, will stick on for more than five seconds.
2: And what is your, uh, just for everybody listening, what is your role? Content is so broad, right? There's so yeah. many different forms of content. There's long form. There's t- television, film, commercials, branded content, the whole nine yards. Uh, tell us your... Uh, S- which space in this infinite content universe you carve?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I work mainly now in um, docu series, um, creating and launching docu series, which are will be in video format. Of course, if anything was to be out in in movie theaters internationally or nationwide, that'd be amazing. But right now it's video content. Um my background um, was i actually I went to NYU to study marketing. And um I don't brag about this, but it's a funny story. I, I may have read two books.
4: <laughs> At NYU? Yeah. I may have read two books.
1: I'm not kidding. How
4: did you get how did you do that? I was
1: crafty and I did use Cliff Notes a lot. I barely read a full cliff note. <laughs> no. Listen, fake you take fake it till you yeah. make it
2: very seriously. Serious. I really started <laughs> early on. While I you really were in did.
1: Well, I started in school with faking it really well because I had I was totally dyslexic so I could read but I also had like no attention span and ability to uh, to finish like a whole book so I was like I need to be I know I'm smart but I have to be really crafty to get through this so I had amazing friends that would let me cheat <laughs> on all homework <laughs> and tests and I was a really good person it's not like I was like shoplifting and you know smoking weed in the girls room but I was able to really use my people skills in order to get through high school. And I did that in college as well. And when I moved to New York, I was like – I was thinking, all right, I'm never I'm never going to do a drug. But I want to go out a lot and I want to meet everyone. So I, <laughs> so I barely read a I book. I can't wait co- to see where your snack's going to be. I I, know.
3: I, <laughs> really, <very> <laughs> I
1: I rarely read a book in college. I did a lot. Of like self help books on tape. <laughs> but so, so
2: you know what? If if I'm at home listening to this right now, if I'm in my car, I want to know. Then how did you? Did you learn from doing? Like, what was your? Did I, you I, even feel like you needed a degree? Because listen, there's there's times where I feel like, why did I go to school to do this profession? Sometimes things just you know, you feel like you could pick things up. It.
1: How yeah. did you learn what you've learned to get to where you are? Um, hustling and. Uh, never quitting. Like, you just can't quit. I went to the school at NYU called Gallatin, which is um, the school of individualized study. I call it the school where you can kind of just make up your major. So I. I'm sure the NYU folks love this. Yeah. yeah they're
0: like, but <laughs> I think you it's wouldn't right. find that in the yeah. brochure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you do. You get, you get to make up your major. And it was a school that was popularized in art culture or in our time period when we were in our 20s because that's where the Olsen twins went. So. <laughs> It was a, it was talk a spe- about content. It was a special time in popular culture because it was the era of like the massive venti latte and the oversized glasses, Parliament lights, bungalow 8 and um, that was a great time to be at school but I got so many of my college credits from doing internships hmm. And so you learned by doing. I learned by doing 150 um, percent. I started a, a internship at Miramax. While I was at school and that ended up becoming my first job as a like a a publicity assistant at their publishing house before they um, merged with Disney.
2: We're going to jump back to later on to <clears throat> learn more about your background, but let's talk about, you know, the state of the world now. So you're doing docuseries. series is so broad also, right? It is. It could run anything from the Kardashians and Real Housewives to something more serious. Um, where are you in the scope and tone in terms of the that sort of meter?
1: That's a good question. I got my start more in the Kardashian range, which made sense for me just with a lot of things that I'd done in my career at that point. Um, and I was fortunate enough I, I got a series of really good development deals to to launch shows that I had created. Um, they didn't happen and I think it's a, it's probably a blessing because um, I'm not sure if there are now shows that I want to still be working on but after getting a taste of what it was like um, behind the scenes in terms of producing shows, I realized that I wanted to create shows based on characters that I'm interested in. Mm and i love rebels i love risk takers i love weirdos i love freaks mm. um and i love people that maybe haven't had an opportunity for their story to be told so right now um i'm working on two documentaries and hopefully i can come back and i'll let you know when they've sold but they're both on uh two great uh public figures that both came from marginalized cultures and took some really big risks and I'm I've worked right now on um getting exclusive footage and the rights to their stories and
3: so how do you find the story this isn't my background so I'm fascinated about how does story find you or you find story do you write or
1: I um I'm a researcher by enjoyment I love to google things all the time and I grew up Um, in Brunswick, Maine, a really small town, a liberal arts college town where Bowdoin college is, but I was like the only gay Jew there. (laughs) And I, um, I knew that I had to get out of town and I also knew that I wanted to be in New York, but I was a kid. So I would just watch indie films and documentaries from our local video store and I would get magazines about like, you know, the club kids in New York or about hip hop culture or about house music or Things about Andy Warhol or Basquiat. And it taught me about these these type of stories that I want to know more about. So I'm still – I still feel like I'm a 13-year-old boy in my bedroom researching <laughs> cool people. Hmm. So right now, for example, like someone that I'm researching all the time I would love to do a docu-series or a documentary about her is the singer named Vanity Six. Do you guys remember Vanity Six? She was a protege of Prince. mm and this is like when he had a string of proteges like Sheila E and um Apollonia Six. But Vanity was this amazing creature that he created. um and she had this famous song called "Nasty Girl." And I'm fascinated by her story. I knew that she fell apart from drug use, but she was also really interesting. So I'll, you know, spend hours watching old video footage, um researching her, reading interviews. And to me, like she's someone that I want to know more about. And I know that If I do, other people do as well.
4: Mm. So how did you go from barely reading cliff notes to being (laughs) such an avid researcher? And really, you know, because that's how you're crafting your content now.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was diagnosed as being dyslexic, but I don't think I actually was. I think that it was due to a lack of interest Mm-hmm. And I think I was just so focused on other things. If they – if I was studying things that I was interested in and I felt less pressure, I'm sure I would have been able to read. So um, I so get – just
4: more about the topic.
1: Topic, interest level. And I'm someone who's – I get really passionate about a subject. And Amber's heard me talk about things that I develop over the past year or so. And I get really into things. Mm-hmm. And – um I, I get I get very interested in finding out um, the story behind some fascinating characters that people may cast aside. They may look at a vanity six and be like, oh, like she she sang stupid songs and danced in lingerie and was a drug addict. But I'm like, no, that's the person who has the most amazing story mm-hmm. that we need to find out about.
2: With this where we are today, because you talk about your 13-year-old self watching indie films and having to go to your video store because that was your only outlet. I know, yeah. But now, right, documentary is something that has made a massive revival <sighs>
1: mm-hmm. in terms
2: of like what is a priority for content networks like Netflix, Hulu's, HBO Showtime, the whole nine yards. Right. Is this an easier time now? But but at the same time, there's more competition, there's more content, right. there's more outlets. So what? how do you then position a great script, a great treatment, a great pitch. Is it easier because there's because there's more demand for this or is it harder because there's
1: more competition? Um, well, it's just about having a strategy and you figure out the best strategy to go after by by trial and error. And I've made so many mistakes with pitching, I've made so many mistakes with working with production companies that what's one thing you learned what's one mistake Mm -hmm. you've learned um as soon as you hear yes and you get excited move on to the next idea because i've learned from the past where i've gotten too excited and i devote all my time to this one project and this one company i'm working with and i don't get and it doesn't go anywhere and then you're just kind of stuck so it's similar to dating Like, as soon as you, like, start to catch feelings about someone, it's a great time to go on another date where you're constantly having energy that's in motion so it's not stuck on one force. So I know, you know, I have interest in two projects I just pitched last week. Tomorrow I'm writing a new treatment to go pitch to someone else. You always just have to continue Mm -hmm. to stay in motion. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
2: Um, And are there more – like, how are the – how are the buyers or the production companies the networks how are they receiving it is it easier to sell things now because there's more of an appetite from the public
1: um it's based on who you're associated with so right now like i have developed projects with teams that have a much bigger status than i do because that's my way to get in the door and i know that's my, that's what i just have to do to pay my dues so eventually i won't i can be my own entity. But right now I have the pleasure and enjoyment of, of really learning from people that have been doing this for many more years than I have. And I really have no ego attached to that. I think I have great ideas, but I don't, I don't have um, any desire to have a bigger status than I do. I'd really like to learn from some of the best. So I'm working with great people that have enjoyed mentoring me and really believe in, in the characters that I bring to them.
3: Is there an idea that you're holding back for that moment when you can be just you?
1: Um, I'll always, I love working with the team, so it'll never be just me. But um, yeah, I don't, I learned because I was a TV host for a bunch of years. And what I learned from that is never to do stuff for attention. And um, I, my two projects now that we're getting off the ground, it's, I'd like my name to be attached to them and they will be, but I'm not doing it for that. And I think that's why um, they're moving forward. People smell when you're younger and you have an ego and they don't like that in any industry.
4: Earlier, you were saying that, which I think we all can agree that, you know, the, that content is oversaturated. How do you in particular really kind of like, what's your strategy to kind of fight through that clutter? I mean, obviously you were saying that you're, you know, you have specific interests and you research them in depthly, but yeah. How do you look across the landscape?
1: So, you know, I, what is it called? Like on our iPhones, where it monitors how much screen time you have. Mm-hmm. And as a culture, we think that's a bad thing. It is if you're just like on Tinder all day, but <laughs> I <yeah. laughs> or Instagram all day. But even Instagram is a great tool to research competitive analysis. And I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of doing c- competitive analysis for anything. I don't believe in copying when it comes to pitching ideas, but I do love to see what's being done. And then I like to put my own unique twist on it. So if I'm working as a branding consultant and some of the work that I do is working with with CEOs that want to launch themselves as being thought leaders, I do know a really important thing to do is how can you access your vulnerability as a leader and how can you share that with the public? So I will do research and say like, you know, this CEO was able to discuss this massive mistake that they made and how they were able to turn that mistake into something that creates a, a better brand or better team. Like, why don't you do this? So I think researching what's been done before, what's gotten a good response and putting a unique twist on it.
4: Oh, I was just gonna say, and where are some of the, the places that you go for content? You know, you're talking about Instagram, but, but where else are kind of like your daily go-to's
1: Um, for outlets. Ooh, I love looking at, I think fast companies. Great. Hmm. I love seeing what Fast companies doing at age. Um, I think looking for, I hate using the term influencers, but like young, hip, cool, snappy kids. I yeah. love looking <laughs> at um, what Out Magazine is doing right now mm-hmm. online because they're using so many young voices that are really progressive and willing to take risks. Um, God, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, I mean those are some of the big ones that I that I look at.
2: We're going to get into a lot more about what inspires you, motivates you and also just what you see coming up in the landscape. But first, we're going to break into the snack. Yes. And we're all assuming this is the snack that got you through the NYU. So now we need yeah. you to tell us what is this solve for faking it till you make it, for two book reading, reading. Oh my two book reading degrees. <laughs> at
1: NYU NYU are you listening there? That would But the what is popular... what is a snack? Present present the snack. I mean since I couldn't bring pizza and parliament lights, I brought you...
3: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that would
4: have been amazing.
1: I brought you guys chocolate chip cookies <laughs> from from a, there's just like a little um bagel place around the corner from your studio. So <laughs> I went there. Oh, it's called um Bean and Bean Organic Coffee. There you go. Sponsored by Noah Levy. All
2: right. Let's 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 break into these things. Shall we?
1: Yes.
0: Hi, I'm Roseanne Gold. I'm a chef, an author, a food writer and the host of a new podcast called One Woman Kitchen. So excited to be doing this because I'm interviewing the most fascinating women in the food world. And you don't even have to be interested in the food world or be part of it to enjoy these remarkable women's stories. It's diverse, it's international, it's intergenerational. What's most exciting to me is that the concept of One Woman Kitchen means something different for everyone. You can listen to One Woman Kitchen every week at onewomankitchenshow.com and also where all the best podcasts can be found
2: so before we chow down on those chocolate chip cookies very good thank Thank you you. um you had mentioned like where you got your inspiration from or what you were sort of resonating with Mm -hmm. and here's a question for you as a filmmaker Mm -hmm. storyteller we're you talked about getting your some of your like motivation or inspiration from influencers and instagram when you grew up you watch movies you went to the video store you watch movies you watch long form kids aren't watching that anymore i know they're watching youtube instagram they don't want to be movie stars they want to be youtubers yeah um so are you making content for right now for 10 years ago or are you making content for ten years from now? And like, how are they different?
1: How is different right now from what you see coming ten oh, years down the road? That's a good question. Um, I mean i I don't cater to that demographic. And when I say By, that, yeah, when I say that demographic, I I don't mean like people that are younger than myself or millennials. Not at all. I don't cater to like the Instagram culture that's everything's ad sponsored. And is, and you know, has a hired Instagram influencer attached to it. I'm have the same point of view that I've always had where I love a really interesting story that you never knew existed. So, would I love to do a story about someone that's um, popular on, on Instagram and has a fascinated? Fascinating story attached to them. Yeah, but it's not because they're popular via Instagram. Like, who's the guy... I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. The makeup artist who was, like, the first guy that CoverGirl hired, and he just Mm -hmm. got in that massive feud with another makeup artist on instagram oh, is it charles yes. jeffrey I jeffrey charles. i know you're talking about i don't know the person's name well crap we need to google I know. Mm-hmm. is it charles jeffrey here? yeah <laughs> who is he anyways um new york times had an amazing profile on him and for me i would love to do a story on him i want to know his story and i would love to know about his downfall and the way that he's trying to rebuild his career and his and his and his online's presence
2: which is classic storytelling and that's and but i guess what i'm asking you is yes thinking about what the storytelling that the younger generation's watching right now which yeah. they're not watching that yeah they're not watching that format yeah they're watching clips on youtube they're watching this person who did a you know vlog or a you know did a Makeup tutorial right. to camera, and that's how they consume, that's what they see.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, in terms of like this golden age of content right now for storytellers like yourselves, yeah. do you think it's going to last, or do you think eventually we will have to think about adjusting the formats to this classic three act structure that you're talking about to more of a chopped up version that they're used to watching?
1: Um, I think it's a good question. I I don't think it's good to focus solely on trends because trends don't always last. I do think that we need to figure out a way to get people to watch things just because in general, there have been so many studies shown about the amount of time that someone actually focuses on a on a TV show or movie that they're watching on Netflix. Mm. and It's it's very limited because what most people do is if they're watching something on Netflix, they're not actually watching. They're on Instagram scrolling at the exact same time. That's what I do think. I do think there is a massive benefit to um, creating content with, on podcasts because podcasts are something that you can always listen to while you're doing something else. So while you're working out, while you're driving your car, while you're on Instagram, it, it's always in the background. So I mm-hmm. think it is good to focus on something that you can listen to and not solely just watch.
4: So do you think if you're – for example, if you're one of your current projects that you're you're working on, if you're creating a docuseries, would you think about – like that docu-series in multiple formats?
1: A hundred and fifty percent. I think that it's really important to focus on no matter what you're doing, how can you create something additional on top of it? And I think that that's not a trend now. I think that's something that's going to last for quite a while. So if you have a, pot, if you have a docu-series, can you create a limited six-episode podcast to mm-hmm. go with it? Can you have a, a group conversation about it on Instagram Live or on Facebook Live?
4: How did you become a TV host?
1: Oh,
2: because it seems like <laughs> it seems like a natural.
4: It does if, seem if like you, you can't, you can't
2: see
1: him right now, but it feels like a natural. But I mean, it's jersey. I'm unusually attractive. So it's, <laughs> it are. was a given. Um, I grew up. I loved TV growing up so much. My parents would yell at me to go outside all the time. And I never went outside. I hate and I grew up in Maine. It's <laughs> just so beautiful. It, it, beautiful. And I hated outside. So I would love to watch um Club MTV was very special to me. <laughs> and I got to know all the all the dancers on Club M T V. Um I loved Maury Povich. I loved Sally Jesse Raphael. Loved Oprah so at four good. PM. Um Yeah, so I knew that I liked I think I understood at a young age that I'm at my best in a 30 to 45 minute period that's when I (laughs) that's when I shine my strongest and after that it's time for a nap but I shine really bright in a short period of time Uh so it makes sense to do that um but I got a job at uh Celebrity Weekly right after I worked at Miramax for like a year and a half and I was an editor there for a long time and when I was there I was like god I really don't care about the stuff that much. What I'd really like to do is leverage this into TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just became my own um, producer and agent and I got, you know, a Rolodex at that point of all the TV producers in New York and L.A. And I just started pitching myself as a celebrity news expert. I love <laughs> wow. it.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> so I was like, hi, my name's Noah Levy and I'm a celebrity news expert and I'd love to talk to you about, you know, you know Denise Richards' latest... Divorce or whoever was important at that time. Um, And did I necessarily know everything about it? No, but that's what aggregated news is for. I never made anything up. It was all things that were out and about. Um, And I just made sure that I would show up to any show, no matter how lowbrow. And um, always had a suit ready. Always did my own TV makeup would go 6am or at like 7pm didn't matter. And that really picked up. And I created a name for myself. So, you know, I would go on from Chelsea Handler to Wendy Williams all the time. And I love Wendy Williams to like, you know, the entertainment tonight's or any local news in New York. And um, one day I got an offer from VH1 that they were creating a, a talk show. Wow. so you did that's that a
0: great, start. yeah, that's, <laughs> so you
1: really did hustle, like you were it sounds like you were an influencer before influencers, yeah, were
4: before mm-hmm. that was the
1: yeah, I guess, I guess so, um, and I loved doing that. I never really liked like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being an influencer, or that being your bread and butter or whatever. I just never was able to promote myself on social media. I know that's not my skill set, um, but I definitely loved talking on t v I, I got to the point where I kind of resented having to talk about celebrities, and I, I really did my best having a, just a fun conversation in general. And um, I really had some the most fun talking with Joy Behar when she had a show on HLN, and I used to go on all the time, and it didn't have to be about celebrity news. It could be about politics as well, and I was able to show my funny side. And it was important for me to show that I just wasn't like a gossip, because that was actually never who I was.
4: So how did you leave that?
1: Well, that's a good question. I got um, I got replaced on my TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good way to get out. I got, re- <laughs> I got replaced on my TV show. The show wasn't doing well, which is fine. And they replaced me with someone who was much more high profile. And I remember getting the call from one of the executives. And of course, it was awkward. I was in a supermarket at the time. She said, like, we just need to... You know, um, we just kind of need to replace you with someone that has a little bit more social media heat. That's what she said, and I was like, "Okay, well, all right, go for it." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I apparently don't have that," <laughs> but I I knew I was great. Um,
4: so did that make you want, in terms of content, to I really kind of like? I'm like...
1: out of this. I was like, I do not want to feel like an out of work actress. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Like, I didn't want to age hunting for a job to be on TV because that was so ego-driven. And I knew when I was out of TV, I had such an ego crash. And that was because my identity was attached to what I did for a living. So I, I decided at that point to, to make the tricky transition to change jobs. And I used all my contacts that I had developed from working in a magazine and in TV to then start um, not pitching myself, but pitching my ideas. And that just takes a while, and I've I've made tons of amazing mistakes, um, but I've also made some really good connections. Give us three mistakes you made. Um, letting, and I think this goes into any field. Um, letting someone approval of letting someone approval of you overshadow the opportunity. So, getting basically what I'm saying. Don't get too excited by someone loving you. Really look at the opportunity. Um giving someone too much of your skill set for free when you're pitching ideas a lot of the people that you're pitching them to aren't as creative or smart as you are and that's not a dig at anyone at all at all that's just a fact mm-hmm. so people will love to utilize you for your for your brilliance or excitement but never hire you for anything mm-hmm. um so always be able to leave um and i would also Say, say, um, don't be scared to put a deadline on something. If something's taking way too long, it's it's okay to leave. And it's okay to let someone know that you're going to go.
4: Mm-hmm. Those are
3: good. Yeah. So just to bring us back to the more specific question of content itself, yeah. how has how your consumption of that and your choice of that changed over the course of time?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, no, that's a good question. I think that... I do try to push myself to discover new things because I I feel like a lot of my interests are from what I grew up loving, and that's from the 80s and 90s. So one thing that I'll do, I would say probably every Monday, is I'm obsessed with Spotify. Spotify is everything to me, and I will always make sure I check out their new release release playlist they've created for me and that's something that I'll start off you know the weekend or a monday too and I'll listen to new things scroll through and then of course I research people um lord and then what else um I think throughout the years I've become I rely a lot more on let's say something like a Netflix and I'll always go through the new releases and then I'll figure out what people are watching what people want to see and I'll use that as a reference for developing other pitches that was a great question
2: that was great insight i love that thank mm-hmm. you that's so much. interesting to hear where your you know what i mean where your inspiration comes from i'm gonna we're gonna end that break on that high yeah and then we're gonna come <laughs> back and when we do we will uh continue to learn more about noah stay tuned okay <laughs>
4: Do you love to laugh? Do you love great interviews with a lot of heart? Do you like good stories? Do you like to hear about life? Well, good news, because if you listen to a show called Funny People Talking, all of that happens, right, Danielle?
3: All of it happens. Every single thing you said on that list and more.
4: And, well, Elsie, does any of it not happen? It all happens. Come on, Elsie. It really happened. Okay. Well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere. You can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking.
0: keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found
2: I feel like I've learned everything about your college uh, oh, yeah. study habits which was fun- fantastic <laughs> yeah. insight um I'm jealous My parents so would be so much time to go
1: out so <laughs> proud of me so proud Yeah I did go out a lot. But I never again, I never did a drug.
4: What like what's the background on your family? Like what do your parents do? Like how did you yeah. become this this content creator, this hustler, this TV personality?
1: My um my parents are both um former hippies. My mom was at Woodstock. Um my grandmother was a big feminist, civil rights activist. She um was best friends with Abby Hoffman, used to ride on the back of his motorcycle, um, burned her bra. Love it. So um, my family was was they grew up in both of them in Worcester, Massachusetts, and um were both very anti-Vietnam War, both civil rights activists, and um they really, especially my dad, taught me a lot of great stories from that time period. And I think the start to all my interest in TV and popular culture was, I remember every Sunday morning, my dad would watch on CNN Style with Elsa Clench with me.
3: (laughs) I loved
1: that. And I guess from, and that was, I guess, pre the height of the supermodel era or during Mm -hmm. that. And I really got to study those characters and had very unusual references for fashion because he would love to watch it, And I loved the commentary with the people that were at the fashion shows and the music that they would play and the celebrities that it would attend. So fun. And what
3: what aspect of all of that kind of do you carry with you on a day-to-day basis? Is there kind of one thread that you're like, ah!
1: I um, I, I love music and fashion from the late 80s, early 90s. And when I see remnants of that coming back, I get very excited. Cause I think that was such a special time where there was a very sincere fusion of fashion and music, similar to the sixties and seventies as mm-hmm. well. I'm going to use my final question to kind
2: of bring it back. Cause one thing that's fast, I find really fascinating about you. Oh, thank you. You've reinvented yourself multiple times. You yes. come from an eclectic mm-hmm. background Yeah. Um, with multiple sort of like facets of inspiration. Uh-huh. Um, and yet you've reinvented yourself and we're at a time right now where there are people listening who think I'm so far down this road i can't change careers i couldn't do that i could never break in my question for you is what is your message to that person who's afraid they can't either build their own personal brand they can't which means they can't define who they are in their own narrative or they can't
1: reinvent themselves and they can't change course um that's such a good question. I. Um, I used to have a a web series that was called Noah's Ark, A-R-C. And I would interview people in New York that I loved. And I I loved and still love Mickey Boardman from Paper Magazine. Mm. And he was one of my guests. And I remember asking him a similar question about New York. Like, what do you – because you've been here for so long. Like, how do you stay interested in New York? How do you stay passionate? What do you say to people who say that New York is boring? And he said to me, he's like, New York's not boring. You're boring. So basically, <laughs> basically <laughs> your perception of where you can go with your career is basically your perception of yourself. Like there's always poss, there's always an unlimited possibility, you just have to, um, number one, find what you're passionate about, realize that you can't quit, and find the right people to share it with. And that's just from continually trying. And working on your network, meeting new people. And once you find something that you're authentically interested in, other people will be as well. Their response is really only based on your interest level.
2: Noah, once again, thank you for coming in and uh, spending so much time with us. We really appreciate it. Getting you. a full uh, look back in, uh, under the hood and, and learning all about thank you. you. Thank you for looking. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to thank Amber.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much, Noah. (laughs) It's
2: so good to spend
3: time with you. And thank you to everybody listening.
2: And Natasha.
3: Fantastic conversation, Noah. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
2: And with that, I'm Ritesh Gupta. I want to thank everybody at home for listening. um, And we'll talk to you next time.
0: This has been Content Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at ContentisYourBusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.